Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Mighty Boy Chi-Chi, a sex expert a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. I am Ladyboy Gigi, and tonight we have another episode of Adult Bedtime Stories. And tonight we're going to be talking about trust and the bonds between the sub and a dom. And this also applies a lot of times to just romantic relationships. Building trust and building deeper bonds between people. It can affect us in our friendships as well as romantic relationships. It affects us in many different arenas of life. But in BDSM, it takes it to a whole nother level. And I remember when I first observed BDSM, people playing, I noticed how deep a bond and connection there was between the dom and the sub. It was like there's this powerful connection. Didn't know it when I first got into it. I didn't know exactly what that was. But as I started learning more and delving deeper into it, I discovered how much trust and connection there was. And it, I realized at one point on my journey that it's one thing to say, oh, I trust you. And then it's another thing to do a living trust where okay, you can tie me up and have your way with me. 
And that's a living trust, baby. <laughs> and Paul's with me tonight, and I'm going to let him say a few words because he kind of came up with the topic. One of the reasons I wanted to do this topic tonight was an extension of our topic for last show. And we were talking about using BDSM uh, as a way to overcome trauma. And one of the things that's very important when you get into this high-level BDSM is, is trust. And it's been an important part of my journey with Gigi, and it's come a long way. For a long time, I didn't realize I was having trust issues with Gigi. I, I didn't think there was a problem with my trust for Gigi. And it actually took me about a year to realize that I had been having problems at all. And after I came to that realization, it opened up a, a whole new level uh, to our work together, and it allowed my communication with Gigi to get a lot better and a lot more clear. I think that not realizing that I had trust issues was an important lesson for me to realize, uh, because when you go through a journey with someone in BDSM, it can be really subtle in ways, the ways that it completely opens you up and lets you see things that you really didn't see before in yourself. And it can really help you unlock the door to deep understandings. And I think that a big part in that journey for me was learning how to trust in this way that Gigi was just talking about a, a demonstrated trust that goes beyond a, a stated trust. For me, BDSM has been a great tool in self-discovery and in learning to really view myself at a much deeper level. Like I said, I think that trust is just a very, very big part of that. I'd like to go into some of the mechanics of trust. To start with, trust is a choice initially, but then it goes a little deeper. And I remember reading The Little Prince, and The Little Prince came across a rose, a wild rose growing on the moon. And through a process that the rose named as Taming, they got to where they could trust one another. And Taming is kind of this process where two unknowns come together and start kind of putting a olive branch out, so to speak, doing little favors for each other at first. And like I say, initially, it's a choice. I'm going to trust you at this level. And trust is built upon multiple levels. It's not just something you have or don't have. You can have trust at a more superficial level, at a social level, and then you can have a much deeper level, and it can go as deep as you want to take it. But it is through a process called taming. 
And what is taming? It's taking time and doing little things like the rose said, bring me some fertilizer and water and praise me and take interest in me and really honor me. And and as the prince started doing that, the rose also honored and gave to the prince. And it was this kind of building blocks of building up this connection and bonding. And I think ultimately trust becomes a bonding between two people. And so it's through this process that doesn't happen overnight. It takes time to build, but it takes being able to go through adventures together and going even through some challenges and coming through. And in many storybooks, there's a hero. doesn't start out as the hero. Usually it's this young, kind of happy-go-lucky person, and they have to go through all these challenges and trials and just sometimes go on a quest with many, many obstacles to overcome. And it's through this process of meeting the challenges and overcoming the ordeals that all of a sudden the main character becomes the hero. And I think that process occurs often in trust building. We have to go through certain tests and ordeals and challenges to really gain that higher level of trust and connection. But any thoughts, Paul? Yeah, one of the things with trust that I was chatting with Gigi a little bit before the show started is I think that initially in a BDSM relationship, the trust really needs to, it takes both the, the dom and the sub being able to trust themselves. The, the dom needs to trust in their ability and in hopefully their training to know that they can bring the sub to a point that pushes their boundaries but doesn't push past any hard boundaries. And if you're getting into pain play, knowing how to bring someone to a deep level of pain without causing any long-term harm. And also, you know, emotionally, not causing any long-term harm either. And a sub needs to trust in themselves to know their limits and not go past their limits, but still be able to push their limits and needs to be able to trust themselves to advocate for what they want and what they need and and advocate for for their expectations and i think that that trust needs to be solid internally before it's really possible for the dominant sub to really go into bdsm and and learn to forge the deep level of trust that is necessary for a good BDSM relationship. 
And I think you touch on another one of the important components of trust, and that's communication. And it has to go both ways. <laughs> it's something that's very important. And there are, for BDSM, there's some guidance for the DOM. Using a BDSM interest evaluation can go a long ways in helping out and establishing good boundaries because part of trust is setting up good boundaries were lines that you can't cross because they would break the trust and then lines you can cross where you can challenge and grow and it's through challenges that we do grow but it takes that good communication it takes really going even deeper into the intuitive side being able to get a feel and work with the energy of the scene we're talking primarily about bdsm but this also happens in romantic relationships there's that kind of trial period where you're when you first meet and you're going out and you're kind of finding out, oh, is this person somebody I can be really involved with at a deeper level? And so even in relationships, you kind of go through this period of doing challenges with each other and setting some good boundaries and communication and then over time, trust and bonding starts to occur. Yeah, and I, I think that another important component that kind of goes hand in hand with healthy communication is I know that like one of the things that was very important in, especially in the beginning with learning to do the work that we do and in my training was really spending a lot of time reflecting back on the work that we did. And this can also be important for any kind of relationship, romantic or the relationship you have with your friends, is taking time to reflect on things that you're going through together and and in the way that it makes you feel and how it affects you. And you know, sometimes there would be times in our early training where like the training went well and I you know I thought everything was okay. And later in thinking about it, I, I would realize something affected me either in a, a, a positive way or a negative way that I hadn't really experienced while it was going on. And I had to learn to communicate those times with you about things that, upon reflection, were like really, really powerful and in positive and very good ways. Or when I thought about it for a while and there was something that uh, made me feel bad or triggered, you know, some of my trauma or things like that. And then communicating those things to you as well. I think that's one of the reasons why, like, one of the things that you 
taught me early on, and it was really, really important in the beginning of our training together is that after you would do a scene with me, you would give me a night to kind of mull on it and think about it and call me and make sure that I I didn't have sub drop or, you know, just kind of communicating about the scene, not right after the scene, but after we both had a night to sleep on it and talking about how I felt about things and things that came up for me. And I think that that was, continues to be like an important part of the work that we do together. And I think that brings us to another component of trust is setting good intentions. And oftentimes we don't even think about intention. It's something that happens in the background. It's like I meet some hot, new, beautiful lady and my intention is, oh, I want to get to know this person better. (laughs) I want to really see where this can go. And maybe that's the intention at first. And then the intention deepens. And when things go good and it's like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I want to have a deeper connection with this person. And so I think intention is a part of it that's operating oftentimes in the background. It's like we set an intention and there is a power in naming. And when we can name it, it empowers it even stronger. And I think that's a big part about both communication and about setting intention is the power of naming is a big part of trust. It's being able to name your boundaries, name what you're wanting to achieve together and where you want to go together. It's being able to really define where the relationship's going to go. So there is this power of naming and, and in a sense, supporting each other along the process. And I think that's what makes what I saw initially in BDSM between doms and subs so attractive to me was that very strong connection and bond. It was just, it seemed magical and powerful to me. It was like, ooh, I want that. <laughs> I don't know who I want it with yet, but I want that. And in time, I found some doms when I was a sub and formed that relationship and built those deeper connections. And it felt so good to be a part of something that was, in a sense, bigger than myself. It was this powerful energy and force that, I knew I belonged someplace. I knew I was connected to something. That can be so powerful. And also, I think part of the process for me when I was going through my early BDSM journey was the whole concept of being able to be challenged and have ordeals to go through. And it really kind of gave me this connection to my dom that was so fucking powerful and so I knew he was there for me or she was there I had some female domin- 
dominatrixes at times and sometimes male doms. And it was something that I took time with before I jumped in. And I learned about what makes a good dom and how do I find a good dom because, well, most doms and subs out there are pretty good people. There's a few bad ones that get mixed in, and it's not easy to identify that. So you want to not just leap into a full trusting relationship. You want to take your time and really get to know a person before you let them have free reign with you. <laughs> yeah, that ties in very well with kind of where one of the things I wanted to talk about. It was a little different with you and me because we had been friends for several years before we ever started a BDSM relationship. But I know that there's a lot of people who are interested in getting into BDSM and don't really have a lot of people that are into BDSM in their life and need to go seek out a dom that they haven't really known. And I think that for people who are on that journey, that it is very important to take time to really pick someone that is going to be good for you, that will be able to do all of the things that you need in a good BDSM relationship. It can be tempting to jump in feet first because you want to get to all of the exciting parts, but taking time to find a, a, a dom that will sit down with you and answer your questions, that will allow you to get to know them so that you know what their motivations are and what drives them and who they are as a person and different people need different things out of a BDSM relationship like any relationship like one of the important things is finding a dom that works for you specifically someone can be a, a very good dom but the dynamics that they're interested in might be completely the opposite of what you want. So finding someone who who can tick those boxes is, is important. And I'd like to take a little time to talk a little bit about play parties or going to a place like Aphrodite's Temple. When you first start your journey in BDSM and start exploring, it's good to do it in a safe environment and play parties are great for that because you have other people around. You're not going to get trapped in a situation that you can't get out of. And that's to protect yourself in the beginning and find someone that's going to work with you. And it's a good way to meet someone and kind of have that taming process where you kind of check them out a little bit. And it's good to have some good boundaries. It doesn't mean you don't trust them. Mm -hmm. It's that trust is in its infancy. And it needs time to grow and develop and become a very strong bond between you before you get into solo play with another person. 
And what I mean by solo play is when you're at another person's private place and there's no one else about and you're playing just one-on-one, that you should wait until you've really developed some good strong bonds just for safety issues. And I think another thing that kind of helps out with this process is when you join a play party or go to a place like Aphrodite's Temple, you can meet a wide variety of people. And different doms are going to have different styles and techniques and and different ways that they do BDSM. Because BDSM is kind of an umbrella term. I mean, some people are just into the bondage aspects. Others are into the servitude. Others are pain sluts. <laughs> and others are into the psychological side. And so finding a dom that's kind of a good match for what you're after takes time and really checking out a wide variety of people to find a better match, the best match you can find. I think another good rule of thumb when you are starting to go to play parties and things like that is, first of all, figure out whether there's any kind of vetting process. Uh, Normally, if you have to have a a message with the person who's running the party and have them get to know you a little bit, like basically like whatever is kind of required of you to go to the party, other people have to go through that same vetting process. And finding a party where there's at least some sort of a a vetting process that goes on. And when you first get to a party, especially if you are pretty new to everything, you go in and then before you jump in and start playing, I, I would take a few minutes to walk around and get a lay of the land and and observe and see how people are with each other find the host of the party and thank them for inviting you and kind of feel things out before you you really jump in feet first uh, to, to get an idea of who all is there and the kinds of people that are there and what kinds of protocols are being observed. Some, some places are, are very high protocol and there's a lot more expectation if if it's high protocol. Uh, if it's low protocol, there won't be as many expectations. When I go to a play party, I, I like to see a good mixture of older, more experienced folks and, and younger folks as well to make sure that it's not just people that are being invited because they look pretty, but it's good to see people who really know what they're doing. And like, especially if you've never been to one before, there's no shame at all in spending your first party just observing and talking to people and things like that. Now, if you feel the urge and you feel safe, and especially if you meet someone who is doing scenes for people and can talk to them for a while and feel them out and you feel comfortable, feel free to 
to play at your first one. But there really is no shame in just taking time to observe and talk to people and kind of get a feel for what their experiences are and like what they've gotten out of BDSM and, and, and things like that. Because I think if you have that kind of understanding that you really get from talking to people, it's a lot easier to figure out how you feel internally and what you want. And also like what some of the rules are and the, you know, the ways that people go about things. I remember when I was very young and first getting into the scene, some of the first places that I experienced it, A, there there wasn't a real vetting process at all. And, you know, one of the first places, I'm not going to mention names, uh, attracted a lot of toxic people. And I also didn't understand, like, what the dynamics were. And when you just kind of see it from the outside, it looks like a lot of people who are just kind of in this free-for-all. And before you know the rules, it's, it seems weird and hard to know what is okay and what is not okay. And, you know, I had to to learn that, like, just because things look away on the outside doesn't mean that the things that were happening in front of me, some of them looked abusive, but after getting to know the people involved, I didn't realize how much work had gone into to the things beforehand and that these people actually knew each other very well and had been working together for a long time. And they were kind of putting on a show, but that like when you got them one-on-one, they were actually caring, nice people, but it looked crazy on the outside. So I think that those are some good first steps when you first start getting into the scene. Most play parties, and even at Aphrodite's temple, we post the rules, Mm -hmm. and we have them clearly identified, and so that people know what's expected, where to, what not to do, things like you don't interrupt a scene that's in progress, and so they have a bunch of rules, and the rules are there for a reason. These are experienced people. And they've been doing it for a while, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And if they have, they will have rules posted for the play party. And speaking of which, if you want deeper guidance, I did write the Dominance Handbook, an intimate guide to BDSM. And in that, I go deep into safety protocols. I go into some of the psychological in the spiritual aspects of BDSM, I go into how to develop the skills to play different types of scenes. And so learning and finding a good experienced dom, because they make it look easy. (laughs) And it really takes practice, and you don't see all the time that they've spent developing those skills. You just see them on stage or in the play area. 
And so it can be misleading. It can be deceptively easy or look deceptively easy because they've been practicing it for a long time. I know before I ever got into many of the things I'm into now, I'd take six months to a year of practicing before I ever did it on another person. And so it takes developing those skills. And that's part of the process of find, not just finding someone that's a good dom, but also finding and building that trust. And if they're skilled in their play, they're also going to be skilled in the all parts of the scene. And especially with aftercare. There is a time after you've gone through a heavy scene, whether physically or emotionally or psychologically, where you need that kind of grounding time, that nurturing time to kind of come back down a little bit. And what I've found is, both as a sub and a dom, is that that's when some of the strongest bonding occurs. When you can take a sub that you've just beaten the crap out of and hold them and let them know what a good job they did for you and just provide that nurturing time, that quiet time. Holding them, sometimes not saying any words, just holding them and doing nurturing things for them can be such a powerful experience. Sometimes more can be said in silence than can be said in words. Yeah, definitely. And that was one of the reasons it was very easy to trust you and one of the reasons I was eager to train under you is because I knew that you had a lot of experience and because I had known you for years and had heard you talk about the importance of really understanding something and practicing it a lot before you did it on other people and experiencing it from the other side before you did it on another person. And that's one of the reasons why it was hard for me to realize I had any trust issues with you. It's because from a, a safety aspect and from a point of trusting your intentions, I, I never had to worry about any of those things. And I thought, I thought that made up all of the trust that was going to be necessary in BDSM. But I there were a lot of things I didn't realize that I had issues with, like, in, in uh, trust-wise. Like, I didn't realize I would have... Like, I think one of the big things I had to work with you as far as trust went is I never questioned your capability and I never questioned your intentions but first of all I had to learn a lot of trust in myself before I could trust myself to tell you things that I thought you might not want to hear. I had to learn to trust that and this wasn't on you but you know I I realized through our training that I had abandonment issues and, you know, I had to learn to trust that you wouldn't abandon me, not that you ever gave me any 
reason to think that you might, but that was one of my internal issues. I had to learn to trust myself to say no when things were uncomfortable because I, I one of the big things for me to learn was to communicate clearly exactly where I was because there were a lot of times where uh, things would feel a little bit wrong or, you know, a little bit uncomfortable for me. And I knew it was something that I could work through and I didn't think it was that big a deal. So I decided that it would be better to deal with it internally rather than telling you about it because it wasn't that big a deal. And I had to learn to communicate with you in an explicit way and say like, oh, this makes me feel a little uncomfortable. I feel like I can work through it, but I I need to let you know that this is making me a little uncomfortable and, and things like that. And, you know, that was part of my journey. So it's it's been a long journey with you, but I'm really glad that we've gone through it together. Mm-hmm. And you touch on one other very important concept, and that's being able to be vulnerable with another person. And doms, too, have to be a little bit vulnerable. They have to let out the monster and show the monster with it. (laughs) And that can be kind of scary when you first start doming. It can be kind of challenging when you're just starting out as a new dom. And being able to trust in yourself and in your your play partner. And I think that that's a part of it is being able to be vulnerable is one of the powers of BDSM. They call it power exchange. You're exchanging power between people. And vulnerability is part of power exchange. It's being able to open oneself up and say, okay, here's all of me. (laughs) It's not something that happens in one scene. It happens over time. It takes some time to get to those levels. And those are some of the challenges to be able to prod someone and say, okay, I want you to open up that little hidden part a little deeper for me. Mm -hmm. I want to hear more about what's going on inside you. And that can be such a powerful exchange once you get there. But it takes being willing and open to being vulnerable. And vulnerability can be a very scary process, especially if you've never really been very open and vulnerable with another person before. But once you do, it's with the right person or people, it can be amazing where it can take take you and it can be such a healing force and wow the time is going by (laughs) we're past station break but we'll take a quick station break check out our website at ggwilber.com ravenslayerleather.com and at ladyboytemple.com We have a lot of resources and information on those websites, depending on what you want to get. And I even have some training programs and 
I have my book, The Dominance Handbook, for sale on the website. So if you really want to get the inside scoop on how to put together a scene, everything from the basics to the advanced in BDSM play, I go through it in the book. Anything you want to add to Station Break? Another link that you can find at both ravenslayerleather.com and at uh, ggwilbur.com is a link to our Patreon page. Uh, Your donations help us to keep the show going and pay for new equipment and make it possible for us to bring you all of this good sex education. If you go to ravenslayerleather.com, you can find a link to our Patreon page, or you can go to Patreon forward slash Gigi to find a link to our Patreon page. And There you can give us donation, and those donations help us to upgrade equipment from time to time and cover the costs of doing this show. Welcome to my friend's Erotic Stories podcast, where we listen to the best erotica from our friends online. Relax as you spice up your day-to-day lives with a little bit of naughtiness. Search for my friend's Erotic Stories on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more. Also visit us on our slash erotic podcast and help us make our podcast better. Ah, yes. (laughs) And back to our topic. Developing trust is a process. I know that at one point in my life, I didn't have many friends. I didn't have many people that I could turn to. In fact, for a while, I was felt very alone and lonely. And I remember when I first read The Little Prince, and I'm coming back to this because that book did make a huge impact in my life. It gave me the tools to learn how to trust and how to become vulnerable and that you don't just, being ADHD, my tendency was jump right in and do it. <laughs> and through that book, I kind of learned that about process and that it does take some time to build up. Because I admired certain things in life and I could I was very observant. And often I would just want to jump in and get it. But I realized through reading that book that it takes time to develop that with another person. For me, it was a process that was seemed painstakingly slow at first. <laughs> but it was well worth it because I discovered a whole new world and met some incredible people along my journey. And it was through many of the alternative communities. I remember part of the little prince, he came back to earth and he saw, you know, at one point the rose said, I am unique and and special and there's no other rose like me. 
And the little prince found other roses when he came to earth, and he thought, oh, but there are other roses. And then he realized, oh, but those roses were very different. My rose is unique and different. The roses on earth were vain and prideful, and and his rose was very special, and there's a deeper connection. And I think that's what I was longing for early on in my life, was that deeper connection. And that's partly why that book spoke to me so much, was, oh, here's how you learn how to form a deeper connection with another person. And you can take it amazing places. And whether it's through BDSM or just through meeting people and making very special friendships or even romantic relationships, it's all the same process. It's building that trust and forming those bonds. Yeah, I think... Another important thing to get into is what to do when you have problems with someone you're in a relationship with. Sometimes either someone does something to break your trust or hurt your trust or something happens and there's a miscommunication or something comes up that neither of y'all had accounted for and it causes some emotional pain and when when things like that happen you you do need to go inside and see if it is worth reestablishing trust a lot of times it is worth it to to reestablish that trust and the process of going through and it takes a lot of communication, and you know, one of the things that Gigi talks about a lot with with me is it's easy to say you're sorry, but if you prove through your actions that you are willing to atone and that you, that you're willing to make changes and drastic changes in your life to prove that you're sorry, that goes a lot further and a lot of times it will take reestablishing trust through a change in in action and through different behaviors and things like that. I think that sometimes when these things happen it can actually help strengthen the relationship quite a bit and if you don't mind, Gigi, to use a, an example from from something that happened with us. So uh, when I got into a relationship while I was with Gigi, Gigi was away for the summer, and we we were separated, and I formed a relationship with a guy that I really liked, and I was having really amazing sex with. And then when Gigi got back from vacation, like he was very happy for me and wanted to see my relationship go well. But he um, suggested an exercise that would impact my sexual relationship 
for a short time with with my partner and and it caused some issues and there there were other issues that came up later down the line that didn't have anything to do with that but to me it felt like they might be connected and there was some hurt there and there were some hurt feelings and Gigi gave me a while to kind of sit with it and ruminate with it but eventually me and Gigi did talk about it. Gigi brought it up to me one time and it led to a really powerful conversation and part of that was me expressing some of my anger and the way things felt to me and then Gigi explained his reasoning and his intentions for the reason he did things the way that he did them and it brought us to to a much deeper understanding of each other and I think it really helped us a lot down the line but it took kind of going through a difficult patch to, to get there and one of the things that was powerful about that is and Gigi can tell you this for for a fact is that when I first started training with Gigi I would bottle up my feelings about things and then eventually it would get to a point where it, it would get to be too much and then I would lash out in ways that weren't fair to Gigi and seemed to come out of nowhere and weren't productive and over time I learned with Gigi to be able to to express my feelings about things even if they were negative feelings as they happened without lashing out and in a calm way and just talk about them instead of letting it build up and then lashing out in in, uh, in a negative way and I think that when I had that conversation with Gigi like I had already been learning this lesson for a while but those were some there were some really strong feelings there and it gave me an opportunity to have a big thing to practice that level of communication with Gigi where I could express anger and hurt feelings and negative things in a constructive way that was not attacking and was not degrading but I could still be open and honest about these really strong deep feelings and realize that I had come a really far away with with Gigi and you know it proved to myself that a lot of these teachings are kind of sinking in and that they really are doing you know really powerful things in my life. I think uh, you touch on something that tends to make a misfire in a lot of relationships, and that's making an assumption about something, or thinking you know something and not communicating that. Oftentimes it can, I know that our initial fight or flight response is to kind of push it down, push it away, get away from it. What's really the healthy thing to do is to 
take a few deep breaths and bring it up in, in a proactive way, not in a reactive way. Take some time to cool off a little bit to where you can talk about the hard stuff. And then bring it up in a conversation when you're kind of balanced and emotionally in good shape and discuss what's going on. What was, because it's important to check things out. Oftentimes, like I say, we come with different baggage into a relationship. We all bring our own baggage in, whether it's the dom or the sub. And then we have our own assumptions we make. And, and assumptions can be very disruptive if we don't talk them out and really get a reality check on what is going on. What's, tr what's the truth here? And so when you can take that time and be proactive and, and say, hey, I'm feeling such and such. We need to talk. Maybe not right this moment, but we need to talk soon. And then have that discussion. Yeah, it's being open and vulnerable. It's saying, yeah, I, I am angry at you. <laughs> Own that anger. anger. There's nothing wrong with anger. There's nothing wrong with any emotion. It's how we behave and react to them or proact with them. And being proactive, you can really do a lot of healing. If you just react and lash out, it can be very destructive. And so learning how to work with some of these deeper emotions takes some time and practice and and learning skills like how to really take a deep breath and let everything kind of center and ground within and just say, wait, maybe maybe I don't know everything yet. Maybe I'm not seeing the whole picture. Let's check this out and come to it at a more rational level. And then the emotions will come up a little bit, but not in a lashing out way. And you can cry together and hold each other and kind of work through it together. And that's a very powerful thing. And that can be very healing. I've done it in my relationships with my primary partner. We've had many of those discussions. And she's not even into BDSM. <laughs> but we've taken that time to really check things out. Where's What's going on here? And oftentimes an assumption was made or we were, an expectation was there that wasn't communicated well. And I know that Paul's a good person. He does his best. I do my best. My partner does her best. And we're all working together. But when that misfire occurs, it can really throw things out of filter. <laughs> mm -hmm. Especially if you think, oh, there's, I'm assuming such and such. And it turns out, no, maybe that's not what was going on in the background. Maybe there's things I didn't see that were the real reason. Let's communicate. And maybe part of it was such and such. And maybe there was some reasons for such and such. But it takes that communication and 
being vulnerable. And when you take the time, it's, it's a little painful to go through, but it's well worth it because it's part of what creates the bonds and the connection. I think one of the important things that I've learned in my training with Gigi is that a lot of the things that have held me back from trust, a lot of the things that lead to miscommunication or to something I'm afraid to communicate uh, or to things that may have made me upset, a lot of those things come out of fear. And one of the things I've learned to train myself to do is to realize that most of the time they come out of fear and to ask myself, like, is this coming out of fear? Um, is this coming out of a fear that got formed earlier in my life that I'm reacting to? Like, or is this is this something that is actually caused by by Gigi? Or is it an internal thing that I need to work with? And then it's important for me if I do come to the conclusion that, oh, this is probably something that comes from my own background that is causing me to have this overreaction. I still need to communicate that with Gigi, you know. And a lot of times I need to do some internal analysis before I'm ready to talk to Gigi because, you know, before that I don't really have a good grasp on what I'm feeling or why I'm feeling it. But then I do talk with Gigi about it. So, you know, and this kind of gets back to if it's something that's specifically involved with BDSM a lot of times, like uh, I'll have something come up during a scene and not really consciously like understand it or even notice it during the scene. And it might be the next day or the day after that that I, I notice it or I realize what's going on. And then I take time to tell Gigi that, you know, I, you know there's something I want to talk to him about and discuss it. And one of the things that took me a while to really come to understand and grasp is I used to think a lot of those internal things when I realized it was something I needed to work through and it was a problem that I had that came from my past, I would think like, oh, then I can work on that my own, uh, on my own. And it took me a while to realize, no, it's still important for me to communicate those things with Gigi because especially when it's something that can be triggered in the work that we do together doesn't mean that Gigi needs to stop doing the triggering activity, but it's important for Gigi to understand that it's a trigger so that he knows, like, if he does something that kind of triggers something inside of me to, like, be extra watchful and pay attention to my response to something. Because it might be that Gigi uh, notices that 
there's a problem before I do because I have emotional processing issues sometimes. So uh, I know that there have been times that Gigi recognized something before I did. And I think that's an important, it's an important duty of the Dom to really watch for reactions and for like how their sub is responding during a scene because when you are in the like especially when you're in subspace it can be very difficult for the sub to communicate clearly in words and it, it takes understanding your sub really well to like be extra vigilant when your sub is in subspace to make sure that you don't go past a limit and that you are really aware of where your sub is at any given time. That's part of being a good dom is being able to recognize triggers and where they come from. It's not something I did wrong. It's not something my sub did wrong. It's something from the past that was maybe in the subconscious, not even aware of. And oftentimes when those things come up, it seems like it's out of the blue. And that's when it takes being very proactive and and really checking it out really deeply to resolve and find out where is this coming from and is it really true and more times than not when we dig a little deeper we find the truth in the whole situation and and you touch on another aspect that often comes up in relationships and that's fear and fear is something that it can if we run from it it can get a stranglehold on us. But if we face the fear and really check it out and explore where is this coming from, is it really true that the worst is going to happen that I'm envisioning at the moment, oftentimes once we check it out, it's like it all evaporates. But facing the fear is takes a lot of courage. <laughs> well, I, I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek. It takes making a decision. Because I've done it when I, even when I didn't have the courage to do it. Sometimes I thought, oh, shit, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> I'm going to grapple this fear, face it, and see if it's true, and check it out thoroughly. And when, every time I've done that, I've found that Okay, that was some of my mind talk and some of the things I went through as a kid that are operating in the background that I wasn't even sometimes aware of. And once I confront it, it's like all of a sudden, it's like, wow, I'm re-empowered. <laughs> and it's, it's a learning process. But boy, we're to the top of the hour already. <laughs> You've been listening to BDSM Building Trust and Bonding and 
connecting with other people at a deeper level. And I think I've got a few last words. I know I've been on this journey a long time, and I've formed some very amazing relationships on this journey. I've been able to trust people and even have found, I hate to use the word, but a family that is much deeper than my biological family ever was to me. I found real brotherhood and sisterhood and even motherhood and fatherhood with healthy relationships that were went way beyond what I could even imagine when I first started this journey. The rewards have been so good. And I'd like to say that one of the other good things about having that good communication and working through it, afterwards the sex is so hot and good. It's like, oh, all that baggage has been cleared out, and it's like the sex just amplifies, and it's so sweet and delicious. <laughs> the last thing I will say on the subject is I know that it, it is tempting, especially if you're interested in BDSM and find someone that you, you can practice it with to, and you're chomping at the bit to just run headlong and throw caution to the wind and live out all of your, you know, dark fantasies and your smutty fantasies and have them do all of these things that you've been fantasizing about for so long and that taking the time to do a BDSM evaluation and taking time to have enough conversation to, to, to really start the process of building trust and taking things a little slow to kind of feel each other out, that that feels like putting the brakes on that and that it's tempting to, like I said, throw caution to the wind and just run forward headlong. But what you are doing by taking these initial steps that feel almost like work is that you are building a sturdy foundation so that you can have a really good uh, experience in BDSM. And taking the time to, to, to go through these steps to really build and strengthen a bond uh, before you get too deep in the the dirty, smutty fantasy world that you've built in your head, taking that time to build build the, the trust before you get there can allow you to go further. It will uh, help you push past boundaries that you thought you would never be able to overcome. It will help you to have a much fuller and richer understanding of the things that are happening under the, you know, under the surface as you go forward and get a lot more out of your experience of BDSM if you take that time to really build that trust. And I know that through our process... You've had some amazing experiences, and 
And I think at times you've had sex that went to the moon. Definitely. With that note, have a wonderful night. Enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Pleasure yourself and your partner. Let your partner pleasure you and receive that pleasure as a special gift it is. But it takes being vulnerable, opening up, and letting someone else in. And that's what sex is really all about, is being able to connect at that deeper level and make that process open up and enrich your life. And, oh, the orgasms get better and better as you go. <laughs> Have a good night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual. <laughs>